Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In this episode, I speak with the Wake Forest head baseball coach, Tom Walter. If you're not a fan of analytics, launch angle, exit velocity, and spin rate, this episode may not be for you. Tom and I discuss how he is using these to provide individual player development plans for all of his players, and he gives us a ton of practical advice on how he does it. This episode is so good, and here is Tom Walter. Coach Walter, welcome. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, I appreciate you coming and spending some time with us. You just got done giving a very riveting talk about analytics, and it's kind of a dirty word for some people, but tell us a little bit about what you talked about, and you know, for our listeners who would love to hear more, just kind of dive in if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, the first thing we talked about was launch angle, right? That's the big kind of catchphrase in, sure. in baseball right now is trying to create launch angle, but we talked about you know, you've got to put exit velocity before launch angle. If you don't have the right exit velocity, then you shouldn't be trying to create launch angle. So guys with exit velocities below 80 miles an hour <clears throat> shouldn't be high launch angle guys. They need to be high on base percentage guys. They need to be guys who walk more. They have a short game, see more pitches, uh, you know, kind of high on base percentage guys. And and those guys should live at a 5 to 13 degree launch angle. That's where okay. the launch the ideal launch angle for batting average is between five and thirteen degrees. The batting the, the batting average statistics are, you know, north of seven hundred uh, when you live in that launch angle range. And again, those are line drives. Um, and then for the high launch angle guys, you know, the guys who do produce exit velocity north of eighty eight, right? Those guys um, live in the eighteen to thirty degree launch angle because that's the launch angle that creates the most slugging percentage. Okay. You know, typical slugging percentages in the eighteen to thirty degree range are over a thousand. So we want those guys driving the baseball and getting pitches where they can elevate the baseball. So that's the, the fundamental di- difference in launch angle is just understanding what a player's exit velocity is and then tying that to their launch angle and more importantly tying that to what they do in practice and in batting practice to get ready to produce that kind of, of launch angle and what their swing mechanics look like in order to produce a long, launch angle. And then from a pitching standpoint, it's all about spin rate. Yeah. You know, if your spin rate is north of 2,400, you're a high spin fastball guy who should be throwing your fastball at the top of the zone and you should have a bigger shape breaking ball that profiles out of that window. Right? Sure. If you're a well, sub-1800, sub-1900, and you're a two-seamer sinker guy that should have a slider and pitch at the bottom of the zone and that profiles out of that window. If you're in between, you need to be a command guy. You need to be a guy who really locates, pitches backwards, right? cross counts as fastball, you know, all those different things. Well, cross counts as off-speed pitches, more importantly. Right, all those things you're throwing fastballs and non-traditional counts and breaking balls and non-traditional counts. The only exception to the rule is if you have super efficient spin. Like mm-hmm. if your spin efficiency on your fastball is 80 to 100 percent, that's a really a true backspin fastball. So you can even get down into the 22, 2100 range and pitch up in the zone. Whereas if your spin efficiency is 65 to 80 percent, that suggests a wobbly fastball, and you should be pitching down in the zone. So again, trying to use those analytics to figure out what kind of player they should be as opposed to training towards those analytics you can't train everybody to be a high spin fastball guy sure and you can't train everybody to be a high launch angle guy you gotta have some of both well and what you're doing is you're taking what they do well 
and then molding them them and their uh, and their programs for that. So you're, you're essentially you're saying, hey, here's how you do as an individual, and here's how you can help the team within that. I love that. That's awesome. Well, without question, I mean, more than anything else, and this goes not just for baseball, but for them personally and academically, right? At the end of the day, as college and high school coaches, we want our guys to be the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, that's as a person, as a student, and as a player. And part of that means knowing who you are and being willing to deal with adversity and, and adrenaline and what's popular and stay on your branch. Sure, sure. So it's not like you saying, hey, you don't have a high spin rate. You can actually see the numbers and you can say, okay, so here is what it is and here's how that profiles. And I really like that. So it's not, you're not taking your opinion, you're, you're taking your opinion out of it and you're saying, here's the data and here's what you can do to be successful. So have you felt like you've gotten a lot more buy-in whenever you've been able to do that? Well, you're, Jonathan, you're absolutely right. You, you do get more buy-in because kids today, they challenge you. They ask questions, and you better know why you're sure, doing something. Yeah. Kids today want to know why. It's not like when, you know, 30 years ago when kids just did what coaches told them to do, and then that was just the way it was. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that anymore. Kids, you know, they want to know why, and they want to work hard. I, I, don't, I, I disagree with coaches who say kids today don't work hard. That's not true. They work hard at what they believe in. If mm-hmm. you can get them to buy in, they'll go to war for you. But if they don't understand why they're doing something, then they're not going to do that. Wow, I really like that. They'll uh, they'll work. What was it again? One more time. Uh, they'll, if, if they have buy-in, if you have buy-in, they'll go to war for you. They'll work for you. They'll go to war. Kids want to work good. hard. They want to get better, right? But without that buy-in, without understanding why they're doing something, without believing in why they're doing something, they're not going to work hard because they're just not wired that way. Oh, definitely. And it seems like you guys are all in on uh, player development. Is that like uh, is that a stance that you've taken for a long period of time, or is that just something that just lately you've been on uh, on the kick of? Hey, here's some technology to help our players get better. If our players are better, our team's going to get better. Well, we have to do it that way. I mean, we're never going to be. First of all, we don't over recruit. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't bring in 22 guys a year. Where if 10 of them don't pan out, it's okay, right? Because we've got 10 other guys that are really good. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, for us. Um, you know, the guys we bring in have to get better because we're, we're again, we're only bringing in nine or ten guys a year, and those guys are expected to play right away, and we've got a, their development curve, and we bring guys into certain roles, and if they're not, you know, the guys in behind them aren't going to be good enough to be everyday players. They're maybe one-dimensional players, you know, guys who have great roles, and they help us win, mm-hmm. but if you ask them to play every day, they're just, they're just, they have shortcomings. They can't do that. So, point is, is if we're not developing our players, then we're not going to be good enough. No, that's absolutely fantastic. And so I, I want to know, you know, is that something that you look for on the recruiting trail? Or if you had to, like, break the mold of, hey, this is what we look for, this is what our players are expected to look like, you know, how would you how would you sum that up for us? So we do a little bit of both, right? We want to get some, some projection guys, some guys that we look at and say, hey, this guy's going to be a guy in two years. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, can, if we can do X, Y, and Z, if he gets a little stronger, gets a little more mobile, make a couple adjustments, you know, this guy can be a dude. But we also need guys that are going to play right now. So it's always about that balance of, of guys that are, are fully developed and right where they need to be right now. And we just need to kind of hone in on the mental part of things and just kind of sharpen what they do. Versus the guys that are a little bit of an overhaul that are a little down the line. So we want to have, you know, most of our guys need to be need to be there. Um, and and kids today have more training than ever, so that typically that typically happens. But um, you know, again, you still need some of those guys in their program where if they put it together, they're going to be dynamic. For sure, and it just sounds like you guys are all about throwing gas and dingers and hitting dingers. But you know, uh, back to the launch angle stuff and. You know, it, it, I, you're on social media, and you we, we see, you know, and we hear the commentators talking about launch angle swing and different things like that. 
But you've taken the perspective that I really like of, hey, you're at this average exit velo. So this is kind of where you need to stay to be most successful. And if you're a big donkey, you can't run, and you, but you can hit the ball a really long ways, hey, hit it to the outfield. But I think that, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this too, is when, you, when people think launch angle, they think we're only trying to hit home runs or trying to hit fly balls, right? And, and so I love the perspective that you gave us of, hey, if you're not, if you don't hit it real hard, then hit it over shortstop. Because that's about 10 degrees, I think. It, would that be about right? That's exactly right. Yep. That's Yeah, that's right around that 8 to 10 degree range. Um, and, and it is. Again, you have to, without tying exit velocity to launch angle, it's a pointless conversation. You can't mm-hmm. just talk about, you can't talk about one without the other. Sure. And so uh, is, is average exit velocity probably the most important stat that you guys look at? I'd say so. And again, you've got to, whenever you're calculating an average, what you need to do is you need to get rid of the outliers, right? You need to get rid of the mishits right, yeah. and, the, and the things that just mm-hmm. don't register. You need to take the bottom, you know, 10 scores or whatever it is, anything that's not in a large grouping and just, and same thing on the upper end, right? Yeah. Could be a misread. But, so you need to, you take the outliers out and you kind of, and you get to the crux of that range. You know, you'll have a range Usually the range for kids over if for a hundred swings, you're going to see a pretty consistent range that's within four miles, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where that kid is. And again, it doesn't mean you're not trying to improve that, right? But again, right now that's where he is, and he needs his daily work and his his approach in the game has to be tied to that. Definitely. So we've got probably some listeners who are, who are like Coach Walter. I I love this stuff, but we can't afford a Rapsodo, hit tracks, flight scope, anything like that. What would you offer for those guys that are looking to do something similar? But they just don't have the budget, or they just don't have maybe the time to sit and track all of all of the stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. So for the pitchers, there's a baseball out there uh, that F5 Sports does that they're selling in a Mega Sports right now. And I, I don't know the name of the ball, but it track. It's cost about two hundred and fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and it tracks velocity, spin rate, you know, tilt, axis, all that stuff, right? And and it down and it just sends it right to the cloud that you can access oh, anytime. Yeah. Um, or you can access it on your phone live. They've got an app where you can look at it on your phone live. So for me, from a pitching standpoint, that's what I would do. I would go to F5, I would go to Omega Sports and I'd buy one of these balls for $250. It's a great investment, right, mm-hmm. for what you get. And all your pitchers can use need one ball, right? Um, for the, um, you know, for the hitters, you know, so many batting facilities around, around this area and all the areas now that have this technology, you know, Send your kids in there with, with five bucks and, and tell them to get on hit tracks, yeah. you know what I mean, sure. and, and capture that information and report back to the coach where they are. And again, you got to trust that the kid's going to be honest about that information. Um, and you got to be sure that what you're seeing with your eyes matches up to the data that they're giving you. But at the same time, there's somebody in your area, whether it's a, a batting center or a camp or somebody like that is going to have. And you can use a radar gun to capture exit velocity, too. It doesn't have to be Ripsoto. If you're a program that has a radar gun but not Ripsoto, mm-hmm. get in the tee behind a net and get some, and, or front toss and get some exit velocities, you know, in, the, in that set and right. capture them that way. Sure. Now, you know, something that, that we've done, I, I've seen the ropes, like the ropes on the cages, and I thought that, that that's pretty cool. But, you know, for, for our guys, we do a lot of uh, exit velocity tracking, and so we, we calculate their average exit velocity and, and track it over time. But and the main thing, especially for, for youth level, and I, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I just tell them hit it hard forward. Like hit it hard forward, if we can consistently hit it hard somewhere that direction, then I think that we're going to be okay. So it doesn't necessarily, you know, you don't have to calculate every single launch on every single ball to be successful. I think if we're hitting it harder, we're going to be better. Well, without question, again, uh, yeah. It, it, 
if you had to choose between exit velocity and launch angle to pay attention to, it would be exit velocity. Let's create exit velocity sure, for yeah. sure. And, and, I, and part of that, Jonathan, is just swinging with intent. You know, we want our guys to, even with two strikes, right, we, we want their, you want to change your approach with two strikes. You want to widen out. You want to come off the knob a little bit. You want to lessen your load. And not and not have you know be as susceptible to swinging misses or chasing pitches out of the zone. But we still want to swing the bat with intention. And that's at the end of the day, when when you're swinging the bat with intention and trying to create launch angle or trying to create exit velocity, you're gonna be all right. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and especially with average. So I, earlier in my career, I used to take peak, which I was like, man, we we want to beat our peak score every single time, you know, and and that's great. But at the end of the day, we want to be consistent. And that's what that average over time does because, and we do all of ours off a of front toss, so it, so we understand. Okay, you hit this one 20 miles an hour, probably wasn't a good pitch to hit. So that's that's just some data that uh, that hopefully some of our listeners can take away, which which I love, and I love that you guys are so into it. And so I'm a high school coach, and you know the guys here know that, the listeners to the podcast know that, but I want to know what do you see from incoming freshmen that we as high school coaches can do a better job of teaching them before they get to you? Yeah, from a hitter standpoint, separation. You know, hit, you know, most high school hitters, and I was the same way, and, and 99% of our guys are, they get here, they're heavy on the front side, right, and there's just no, there's just no separation in their swing. There's, they don't have that hip-shoulder separation. And I, that's the that single one thing we see, that, and you can't get behind the baseball, you can't get into your legs without having that separation. So that's the one thing I see with, with young hitters. Um, and then on the mound, you know, it's, it's again, we're so velocity-centric that kids don't learn how to pitch. I mean, I think they have to learn how to execute pitches. If they want to pitch at the college level, you've got to make pitches. Mm-hmm. So the focus of your training needs to be making pitches. And then the good news is that's why you see the guys who get velocity later in their life are typically the guys that are the mega dudes. Yeah. Because, again, they learned how to pitch first and then the velocity came. The guys that always do hard and never had to learn how to pitch, those guys might not have a breaking ball. They don't have fastball command. So, for me, if, I'm, if the, the, to focus on the, on the mound would be executing pitches, you know, again, knowing what kind of pitch you are and make pitches according to that. Can you teach command? Because I'm having a really hard time trying to help kids with that. Well, part of it, you know, at the high school level especially, right, Jonathan, part of that's a strength issue, right? Those kids yeah. just aren't strong enough to repeat their delivery. Mm. So we get on them about not repeating their delivery, and they're just not ready to do that. Sure, fair. Second is it might be a mobility issue. It might be a situation where they've got a tight left hip, or they've got a tight right hip, and they just can't get into their legs or, or, or maintain their posture through their delivery or through their, or through their swing, right? So... You know, without looking at the strength and the mobility first. So, so having whether you're doing it in house or your kids are farming that out to somebody who's really good at it, that's that that athleticism and being a dynamic athlete has to come first because we the mechanical changes we make without that part of it are you know, it's fool's gold. Sure. It's not sustainable. Sure, and you know the more of my career that I that I progressed, I guess, or I feel like I've gotten better, but I want I want to do a better job of setting up external goals. And like you, like you're talking about, we want to beat our average and peak exit velocity every time we do it at a certain angle. That'd be an, uh, an example of an external goal. But have you found that that cleans up a lot of the different issues that they have? Well, I think I think having goals is, is incredibly important. But yes, kids are very goal oriented. Kids mm-hmm. today, right? They, that's what they get in video games, right? Let's get sure. you this yeah, level yeah, so yeah. we get this. So yeah. let's get, let's I talked it. about that earlier, actually. right? So I, you know, again, we've got to appeal to that. We've got to appeal to that side of their of their psyche. So having goals out there that they reach you for every day that you're invested in and they're invested in, I mean, I think that's an incredible teaching tool. 
And I think what the mistake we make as coaches is we try to bite off too much and we try to get them from A to Z without going through B, C, D, E, F, G. You know what I mean? It's got it's incremental changes along the right. way. So if our, if our exit velocity goal is 90 miles an hour and right now we're not at 80, it doesn't go mm. from 80 to 90. It goes from 80 to 82 sure. to 83 to 86 to 88 to 90. Mm. So, again, making those incremental changes um, day to day and getting the kids to buy in on the long view the kids will do it and if you're tracking those goals it's a lot easier because they once once kids see that progress right yeah, then it absolutely. starts to kind of catch fire and they just get super invested and, motivated. and not just kids us you know i i used the example earlier if we're trying to lose weight and we can see a little bit of progress it keeps us motivated but if if we can't and we're just like hey i'm just going to diet but i can't see a difference it's not going to keep us as motivated and i i love that and and so i know you've got a flight to catch but I would love it if you could, you know, leave either our listeners or our guests here with just, you know, I'm, I, just open it up and just, hey, here's an open mic. And is there anything that you'd like to tell us before you go? Well, what a great convention this is. Um, you know, the, the list of speakers they have here, you know, Brian O'Connor and Sean Steffler and Paul Maneri, they had the mental conditioning talk. I mean, they've hit every aspect of the game and they've hit it with qualified people who are, really good at what they do. Absolutely. So the people they've assembled here and the time and the care they've taken to put this together has been so impressive to me. And these coaches, I watch these coaches and these things, and they're locked in, man. I love it. I love seeing high school coaches and, and travel ball coaches and college coaches here that are wanting to learn mm-hmm. and wanting to get better. Because at the end of the day, we as coaches, our players are trying to get better, but we have to get better too. We have sure. to continually you know, strive to get better at what we do. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks again for joining us, Coach. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.